Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, it is the prediction show. We look back at the predictions we made back in 2021 and also make some new ones for 2022. Speaking of which, CES 2022 looks like it's in serious danger as major names pull pull out. Radio Shack is back from the dead, and we'll tell you why I should have stayed dead. And Amazon shows us once again why the cloud is not all it's cracked up to be. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Last one of 2021. Good morning, guys. Good evening, North. Sorry, whatever this is. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We got a lot to do today. It may not seem like it, but we do have a lot to do today, primarily because, well, this is, in fact, the last episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech for 2021. The next episode, despite the fact that it's probably going to be recorded, actually, no, the next one would be recorded on uh, either the first or the second of the new year. So, yeah, this actually is. No matter how you look at it, going to be the last episode of 2021, which means that it's also the prediction episode. So we get to look back at um, the various predictions that I made last year. Usually I save it for the New Year's episode, but like I said, it's going to land on 2022. So, yeah, I'll I'll tell you what, though. Um looking back at the 2021 predictions wow i was optimistic it's gonna be a trip let me tell you you don't want to miss it and then of course i have some very fascinating updates with ces 2022 that is also going to end up being a uh, a very interesting story to keep your eyes on for this year. But first I want to talk about a TV deal that is going to end up being an absolute somewhat of a nightmare. And this actually is a very good chance to kind of touch on the whole point of all of these streaming services were not in our best interest. Right now, the space of TV is a weird one. Your options right now for TV are either A, trying to find the last surviving Radio Shack that you can't and then end up giving up and then going over to Walmart to go ahead and get a very cheap digital analog to converter digital box or no, wait, no, you, you know, the old school digital TV antenna, which admittedly is what I've done partially. Or you pay hundreds of dollars in a cable bill, or you cut the cord and embrace this utopia of just using streaming services as your cable provider. Because now it's all on demand. And there's no ads anymore, except for the ones you have to still watch because a lot of these streaming services still have ads on them for no adequately explored reason. And then on top of that, it's hard to get the current stuff because the current stuff isn't available on the streaming services. 
and it's a lot of compromises, but my God, you aren't paying those big cable companies anymore. Even though those big cable companies all launched their own streaming service and you basically end up spending hundreds of dollars anyway. After you go get all the ones you wanted in the first place. And in addition, you are now in a menu nightmare hellscape in which you can't remember which TV service you had, which streaming service you had that had the show you wanted. Like, here's a fun one for you. Right now, if you go to if you go to Hulu, one series I actually started putting on again as just like white noise to fall asleep to is uh, one of my favorite Star Trek series, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. All right, it's, it's an it's an older series, but my God, they did it right back then. But here's a fun one for you: if you were to go there right now and try to watch it, you're going to find out on Hulu that it very much looks like the entire series is going to vanish from Hulu in 11 days. And, in, and actually, I'm just looking at this now. It's now showing 11 days. Before that, it only showed a handful of the episodes, specifically up to, like, season four, vanishing in 11 days. Now the whole series is vanishing. I suspect going over to Paramount+. Plus. But you start seeing the kind of nightmarish hellscape that is these streaming services. How the heck is anyone that's not just an absolute know-it-all supposed to know what the heck to do? It's hard enough for a guy like me who actually goes ahead and goes out of his way spending way more time than he should to keep tabs on all the kind of news for this sort of thing just so we can do a podcast on this. And I have a trouble keeping track of all this. What the heck's the average Joe Schmo supposed to do? Oh, hey, thank you for uh, for subscribing to Hulu. By the way, everything you ever wanted to watch is gone. It's no longer on here. It went to Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, uh, Peacock, which I swear only, I swear that network only exists just to call itself Peacock and to get me to say Peacock. That is the only solution I can come to as to why NBC called their streaming service Peacock. It's gonna you're gonna have a hard time convincing me otherwise. Now the thing is that everything I just said is not news. Someone in chat actually just gave me uh, something else here. And this is actually a very, uh, 
This actually brings me to another important thing. Uh, someone just linked me an Amazon listing going to the DVD box set for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the complete series. Your options are, and the, the whole box set is at its base, pro, actually at its, I don't even know what the difference is between these two, but the one that's recommended by default is 189 or I'm sorry, $190. And the thing is, is that that is an eye-watering amount to see for a DVD series. And your first instinct when looking at it is going, whoa, why the heck would I do that? Dude, that's just a year and a half of Hulu. I've probably paid Hulu that much already. Someone in chat says it's also out of print. That's probably why. I don't think it is because it's still being sold as new. No, it is sold from a third-party vendor, so that's probably why. It's also, you know, the DVD box set. It's freaking... What is that, 47 discs? Yeah. The other point with this particular show is that there's also no Blu-ray releases either that someone's pointing out yeah there isn't it, it was only it, it only came out at what 480p that's it we didn't have no widescreen back then let alone anything that justified being on blu-ray why would you do a blu-ray release for that but i digress the, we're actually getting very distracted from the point but you get you get my point when it comes to this strange hellscape that we're getting into, not going to lie, grabbing that box set and then just transcribe it to a Plex server, very attractive. To the actual story that I was getting at before sidetracking myself for 10 minutes. <laughs> Which, by the way, impressive stuff that I've managed to sidetrack myself without even getting to the story for 10 minutes. This whole thing brings us here to YouTube TV. YouTube TV puts itself as an attempt to be a hybrid between the benefits of a streaming service and the flexibility of a cable provider. The whole point of YouTube TV is to actually provide wide, far-reaching con content. And for a minute, just like with cable providers back in ye olden days, they were about to lose ESPN, FX, and a bunch of other channels. When this was about to happen, I actually didn't cover it at the time because there was a metric ton of other stuff to talk about. At the time, my thought was, of course they're ditching. 
they're just gonna go to their own streaming service because of course they are. It's just once again, that kind of oddball hellish nightmare. Well, fortunately now YouTube and Disney have both cut a deal to get ESPN, FX, and other channels back on their networks. So what was the point of this entire story? If everything's just back to normal, the price hasn't adjusted, what was the point of saying any of this? You really want to know what the point it was? What the sole point of this was? The sole point was for me to say, I told you so. I said from the get-go, I said the moment that Netflix and Hulu came into existence, that you'd start seeing more and more streaming services pop up and you'd end up with this kind of nightmare scenario of there being dozens upon dozens of services all just wanting to go to their own platform and end up just taking their own balls, go home, and you would end up having to pay more than you did with cable. Well, guess what? Surprise. More and more signs that, in fact, I was right. And I wish I wasn't right. I really, truly do wish this went any other way. But more and more as we advance down this path, it is getting worse and worse and worse. Speaking of things getting worse and worse and worse. We talked a while back, like a couple of weeks ago, about how Amazon's AWS, which stands for Amazon Web Services, basically their commercial cloud platform, and how it could be a sign that maybe, just maybe, the cloud isn't all it's cracked up to be. By the way, they've now suffered their third outage this month, which affected large chunks of the internet, including Slack, Asana, Spotify, some obscure game store owned by Epic Games that nobody cares about, and many, many more that people actually do care about. Someone in chat asked, what the heck is Slack and Asana? Slack actually is a big podcasting provider. 
they're one of the bigger bigger ones out there. I uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I have no idea what what a sauna is, but apparently, the Verge thinks they're important, which means they're. I'd say about fifty fifty shot that they're actually. What is a sauna? Now I actually want to know this. Asana is a web and mobile application designed to help teams organize, track... Okay, they're Microsoft Teams. They're Microsoft Teams that existed back in 2008. They're they're pretty much only known in in the corporate industry. Okay, now I know. Wow, that is actually like a decent amount of revenue they bring in. 142 million? You want to know probably how they ended up in the headline for The Verge? The Verge probably uses Asana instead of Microsoft Teams. But anyway, back to the point at hand. We go over this again and again and again and again about how we continue to put more more of our lives up in the cloud. How more and more things require an internet connection to connect to a remote server. Well, that is the cloud. Like, there are people out there who don't know better and just go, oh, connect to a remote server, that's bad. Now, using the cloud, now that's the future. It's the same thing. And to pretend that it's not is just... Well... To say it's ignorance is a bit harsh, but it kind of is. You want to know why I hated the fact that Microsoft keeps pushing Microsoft 365? Because if Microsoft servers go down, you and your entire organization are not getting work done. I have more faith in my ability at work to keep my laptop running than I do in Microsoft servers staying up 24-7 when I need them. And yeah, these outages aren't that frequent one person said like oh what's the big deal it only goes down one day every four years it's true percentage wise the outage is very insignificant but with so many of these cloud services relying on other cloud services
Who's to say it's going to stay that way? You just had AWS go down three times this month. Oh, the the people in chat did not actually mean that uh, Office 365 goes down. We're, we're, we were making a joke because it's Office 365 and not Office 366. So therefore, they just don't care about the leap year day. I, I get it. I get it. Back to my point and my paranoia about why, why I set up home clouds. You see, someone would actually consider the fact that I keep talking about home clouds like I have some sort of personal agenda. I don't. I just use it as self-justification self, uh, for my insanity in setting up a home server. I don't provide the service to literally anyone else. Someone in chat asked, put it in, put it in perspective though, how much money is lost during an outage by the businesses that are running off the cloud services? That is the key thing. And the biggest question that these companies have to ask themselves, what is the cost of not running because of a cloud outage versus the cost of actually running your own servers? Right now, most companies are going to go cloud services just because you can't get servers. Servers and computers right now are a myth. So, you know, going ahead and just saying, hey, let's go get this one high-end tower server that's going to sip power because it's, you know... Compared to, you know, just using a cloud service. There's that too. Someone in chat says money not made does not equal money lost. It absolutely does. Let me put it in perspective. Let's pretend for a minute that my own work we're not going ahead and that an outage keeps us from running our trucks for some reason that we just have to take a day off that means that that's that entire day's worth that I cannot bill anyone that we're not making money on any of those and to boot I still have to pay not for a whole day, but for at least a partial day of my employees coming in just long to find out they can't do anything and then go home. So I lose money, not only in just not making potential income, but also in the money I have to pay my employees to walk in and send them home. Because we found out the hard way, there's nothing we can do. Especially since most companies, what they're going to do, like our own, if there is an outage that's out of our control, we're going to go ahead and spend some time to try and find a way that we can 
bypass the the cloud-based system to go ahead and at least operate for today without the cloud system. It's the same sort of way a smaller shop might go ahead and say, oh, we can't run credit cards. We'll still keep running and say, hey, customers, just bring in cash or check. There's an ATM down the street. Way, way more often in the business world, not making money can very, very easily equate to losing money. It's just a question of how much. It is why I say time and time again, the most important thing in the business world is uptime. The other thing also to consider with your cloud service is that Google Drive is going to start... This is an old story, actually. We, I'm sorry. We talked about this last, last week. Never mind. Meanwhile, in other privacy-based things, DuckDuckGo is building a desktop app specifically to bring its privacy-focused features to the desktop. DuckDuckGo, for those who don't, don't know, markets themselves as a... as a competitor to Google that is all about privacy, whereas Google tracks everything you do and tries to sell you ads based on the data it mines, DuckDuckGo markets itself as being primarily focused on privacy. We talked about the <laughs> chats right now con- trying to contemplate other businesses that uh, you're not necessarily losing money by not operating. No, man. In any case, um, DuckDuckGo (laughs) is trying to launch a desktop application to go ahead and bring their privacy features, including their email protection and app tracking protection to the desktop. Now, we actually talked about this in a previous episode, but before anyone starts going... Well, it has to make his money somehow. How does it do it? Once again, ads and affiliate links. There's just not as many ads, and it mostly uses its affiliate link. The beauty of DuckDuckGo... is the fact that just by downloading DuckDuckGo, you know one thing about each and every single one of your customers. They may not mind data about you, but they already know you value privacy. Which then makes you an ideal candidate for ads about, say, a VPN service. Of which... If a VPN service was sponsoring this podcast, by the way, email me at eaglefalcontech at gmail.com if you want to sponsor this podcast to try and sell you their privacy-focused services. Kind of funny how just in that one move right there, they can get a good amount of data about you 
without actually collecting any data about you. Fascinating. So that is the plan for DuckDuckGo. I do hope this kind of takes off. I would love to start seeing the pendulum swing in the other direction for everything to no longer be about skimming you for every single ounce of data you've got versus, you know, just letting you use the internet without being stalked. Speaking of uh, stalking, Facebook. Just Facebook. Oh, we actually wanted a uh, an actual story based on. All right, how about um, a veteran of both Google and Facebook, Hugo Berra, is going to be leading a COVID testing startup. Quick, raise your hands. Who trusts this company? Anyone? It's a brand new startup. It's helping to go ahead and test for the virus, TM. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You you could already see how this is going, aren't you? <laughs> you, you know, if it was actually, you know, done by Facebook, if it actually was just like straight up Facebook slash meta, depending on how you want to talk about it. By the way, you notice how it's kind of interesting how all the talks about all the sketchiness of Facebook literally vanished absolutely completely vanished after they changed their name to meta what happened you had like 87 kajillion freaking whistleblowers which admit which i mean granted i know why they kind of vanished Everyone started to realize they were just kind of um, a, a little weird. But then all the other privacy concerns of Facebook just suddenly vanished the moment they went, "Hey, you know, what? we're gonna be the we're gonna be the metaverse, and we're gonna go ahead and relaunch ourselves as being the." the foundation of the virtual internet we're basically going to become vr chat except it's going to look like hot garbage that's our plan and what an amazing plan it's going to be facebook will show you 
Someone in chat says, if you see what Meta is doing, it sounds like the Matrix. Yes and no. You know, you know what you know what Meta sounds like it's trying to do? It's trying to become VR chat. The problem is that VR chat exists. The only thing that would make Meta succeed. And you're going to hate me for saying this. The only thing that's going to make Meta succeed versus, say, a VR chat is the cost of entry. Especially right now, it is it is obscenely difficult to get into the VR market. Let's pretend you're like me right now. You have a you have two barely functional computers. For the, for argument's sake, let's say I have one barely functional computer instead of two. That isn't VR capable, but you want to get into VR. All right. This means first off, I need to get a CPU upgrade. So we're talking a couple hundred there. I need a GPU upgrade because a 1660 is not going to cut it. So, you know, you're talking. We'll, we'll pretend like GPU pricing makes sense right now. And we'll say 500 for a VR capable GPU. Right now, if you actually wanted a VR capable GPU, you're looking at close to eight, 900 because the world has gone insane and you don't know what is right. But let's pretend it's just 500. We're looking at 700 plus the cost of the VR headset, which is close to three to 500, depending on who you go with and the kind of quality experience you want. So you're talking right there close to $1,000 for an average user to get into VR. Meta, on the other hand, can lower that cost drastically because... Meta owns Oculus. And you know what? We can sell headsets at a loss. Because you know what we get by selling those headsets at a loss? We get all your sweet, sweet, juicy data. And that's going to be the only thing that makes Meta succeed. Is the fact that they can make the cost of entry a couple hundred dollars by just making the graphics terrible, by integrating everything in the headset and selling the headset at a loss because they can just make it up by selling you ads. And you know I'm right. And I hate that I'm right. And you hate that I'm also right. We all hate the fact that... Yeah, that's probably going to be how it goes. And I hate it. We're going to take a break here when we come back. We're going to go ahead and actually do the prediction part of our prediction episode. Don't go away. You're not going to miss this. A look back at 2021 and looking forward to 2022. 
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Don't worry. It's the last week that we use these holiday bumpers. You gotta use them when you can, right? It is that time of year, after all. So, every year, when we get to the end of the year, we go over the predictions. Last year around this time, I made, how many predictions here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different predictions about what 2021 will bring in the world of tech. And holy cow, was I an optimistic fool back in 2020 when I made these predictions. So we're going to start from the top. The next iPhone will feature no charging port and be wireless charging only. No, I was wrong. <laughs> Completely and utterly wrong. In fact, this year, iPhone-wise, shockingly little was done with the iPhone this year. Virtually nothing. The next iPhone will have Touch ID built into the small power button. Nope. Once again, despite the fact that this is an obvious change that Apple could have made to the iPhone, it would have been a major one, especially as, you know, 2020 proved that... um Scanning your face is not always possible. American society very, very quickly got shoved into the concept that flu masks are something that could be very common to wear. In fact, it was mandated through pretty much a lot of early 2021 and also towards and most of 2020 for that fact. Despite this, Apple did not make the choice to implement Touch ID into the small power button, even though they already have the part made for the iPads. The iPad saw a return of Touch ID, but the iPhone, their most popular device, and the original one that had Touch ID, did not get it back. Despite the fact it would have been a no-brainer addition. So, again, wrong there as well. The next iPhone Pro will have USB-C. Nope. Once again, obvious choice, obvious reason to go ahead and say that the iPhone Pro would be a professional phone by including USB Type-C with high-speed connections. Not present. It still has... It still has lightning, which is USB 2 speeds. And even more baffling, the iPhone Pro this year got an additional feature that makes its videos even bigger. The iPhone Pro can now take surprisingly good video, but it also means that the video files are massive. 
if you're a professional taking video with your smartphone that has a very good camera on it and is getting closer and closer to at least being entry-level DSLR quality, why the heck would I want to transfer the, the files off my phone either A, over Wi-Fi, or B, over, even worse, USB 2.0 speeds. It was a no-brainer prediction, but Apple defied the odds and said, you know what, nah. Not at all. Oh, for three. Now, last year, towards the end of the year, to give a little bit of a background as to how this prediction had gotten there, Ford announced a brand new look and reimagining of their F-150 pickup truck line. The F-150 got a massive redesign that also featured a hybrid engine that also doubled as a potential generator using the inverter to power a massive amount of stuff and possibly even providing 7,200 watts of power. It was a very bold decision that Ford made. So I predicted the Super Duty lineup, which is usually one year behind, would get the same sort of feature providing up to 10,000 watts. This again, seemed like a no-brainer feature. But, if we go to Ford's website and look at the, uh, the Super Duty lineup, and look at the engine options on their F-250, You will see that your engine options are a gasoline V8, a diesel V8, or a different gasoline V8. The F250, F350, F450s did not get any update whatsoever this year. And also, just to go ahead and say, hey, you know, just in case they decided to, uh, maybe that's going to be in the future vehicles. Well, if we go over to their website, look at future vehicles. Nope. All we see is the F-150 Lightning, their all-electric one, and the 2022 Expedition, their large SUV. Zero for four on predictions. Next prediction. Major redesigns are coming to Alienware using RTX 3000 series GPUs and AMD CPUs. 
Well, if I go to if I go to Dell and go to Alienware, we will actually find that. In fact, yes, we have some Ryzen laptops. But all the Ryzen laptops are last generation. Let me actually go ahead and take a look at Alienware's website real quick to confirm this and actually make sure that um, that we are looking at the most up-to-date versions. So the up, most up-to-date version of the Alienware laptops are the X series, the X15s. And there was a redesign. There was a radical redesign and does include the RTX 3000 series. And in fact, there are AMD options. They're just in older bodies. But these older bodies also have the RTX 3000 series. So, almost correct? I will say full points on major redesign coming to Alienware, but only half points on RTX and AMD coming to those redesigns. Because they did come just not to the redesign. And also, I'm not going to award full points just because their desktops. Actually, yes, desktop actually did get a redesign. It actually does look different. I just don't know if I would trust it. <laughs> But it also doesn't have AMD in it. I don't get what is with Alienware and being allergic to AMD. Oh, never mind. They do have AMD on this. So yeah, we'll say 7.5 out of 10 for that one. So we're currently at... We're not doing good. Samsung is going to muddy the water between brands more. I'm actually going to put this to the chat right now. Because my thought process was this, was that the Note brand would become less and less relevant. As the Samsung S series became more and more Note-like. That was my thought process. But here's the problem. You could technically say that Samsung muddied the waters more. Or you can say Samsung muddied the waters less. Because the Note lineup is gone. So intention-wise, yes, Samsung did make the difference much, much stranger by having more and more 
note features come to the main S lineup, but you could also argue no points should be awarded because now there's no waters to muddy anymore because the note lineup, the pre the premium line of Samsung phones is now gone. So I'll let chat decide on that for whether full points, half points, or no points should be awarded for that out of 10. So those in the Twitch chat right now, just go ahead, say uh, 0, 5, or 10. Because I am legit on the fence with that one. Intel will have a not a new architecture. Well, they did. So. Full points. Intel did in fact launch a new architecture. It is called Ice Lake. And there you go. Intel will fire a large chunk of the senior staff. I don't think Intel actually did a massive exodus. I'm pretty sure Intel did all of its gutting the previous year. So for this one, no points. Chat is pretty much coming to the conclusion that uh, that my prediction on Samsung gets a big fat zero. Which I kind of go for, yeah, understandable. So that means we are currently at 17.5% out of 100. No decision will be reached on the Apple v. Epic Games. The trial will continue to 2022. We did get... We did actually get a decision on that. So... No points. You could try to argue, no, Eagle, you get half points because the appeals are going in. I specifically said that the original trial will continue to 2022, not the appeal. So zero points. I cannot put myself through through circles to go ahead and say that that's fine. It's not. And then finally, Twitch will have a DMCA claim system in place by the end of the year. They actually did. Twitch actually did put a system completely in place. So that means my prediction rate for 2021 was 27.5%. That's not good. <laughs> and honestly, what what was the end result of a lot of this is I severely underestimated Apple's willingness to just not care about the iPhone. 
I thought for certain Apple was for sure going to want to push the envelope with the iPhone. And they were just like, nah, ain't going to do squat. Nothing, zip, zero, nada. I mean, that, that, that literally is what happened with with the iPhone. You got nothing. And that killed a large chunk. Ford also, and the other thing that actually killed my predictions was uh, A, the chip shortage really did a number on more systems adopting AMD. You can get a hold of Intel CPUs, but because AMD uses TSMC and TSMC is at maximum capacity and unable to meet demand, AMD CPUs are harder to get get your hands on. And I think that led to the redesigns from Alienware not coming to fruition with AMD systems. And I know for a fact that's pretty much what led to no advancements on the Ford Super Duty series. And then, of course, Samsung. I could not have predicted they would have killed the Note line. That seemed unfeasible. But... Sure enough, they did it. They absolutely killed it. I'm actually looking at this AMD uh, Alienware Aurora Ryzen version. It actually does look pretty good. You know, until you also look at the see-through window they put on the side and then see the absolute basic nothing motherboard they threw in there. Holy cow. Man. Someone in chat asked the note line is the bridge between the tablet and the phone, right? Yes. So the note line was the wider phones that had big screens and had the built-in stylus. The note line is now currently dead. The Galaxy S Ultra series basically killed the note. The other thing that's also being thought about is that the the fold is going to replace the note. Someone in chat says it's Alienware. They're basically just a marketing banner for Dell these days. I'm I'm still disappointed in, in Alienware. I really am. Because there is a team within Alienware. They still do try to make good-looking systems. And this one does look decent. There's just more effort in in the looks of this one than before. But they are just nothing compared to what they were. Absolutely nothing. And I am still, as far as Alienware wise, they came close to being what they used to be with the Area 51M. And they just killed it.
Zone in chat says good looking system is not what everyone we received. They actually they used to be good systems. Yes. You, the funny thing is that everyone it's easy to say nowadays, I knew Alienware was gonna be bad the moment Dell bought them. The moment Dell bought them and let Alienware have access to what Dell had, they made some of the best products they ever made. By far, hands down. Before when it was just Alienware and they were just modding Clevo laptops, you can lie to yourself and say that those were good laptops. They're not. They're Clevo laptops. They're nothing. But unfortunately, like, peak Alienware lasted, I would say, six years. After that, that was it. They were pushing a direction that was bad for Alienware. But getting back to the point, that was the predictions from last year. Now, for the 2022 predictions, here's what I have. This year in 2021, and one thing I actually didn't expect was Blizzard suddenly being in the news for something other than a new Diablo. No one could have predicted in 2022 other than the victims themselves that there would be a massive scandal exposed within Blizzard. Which then caused the downfall of, uh, not the complete downfall, but the start of the downfall of one of the biggest MMOs, or actually the biggest MMO period of World of Warcraft and many of other Blizzard's games. So, here is my prediction. I am not willing to make a prediction about what's going to happen with the staff. I am still on the fence whether I think Kotick will be gone. For those who are not in the in the know, the CEO right now of Activision Blizzard is Bobby Kotick. Bobby Kotick is pretty much at the center of all of this controversy. Whether he had, wants to admit it or not, he is. There are accusations against him directly in sexually harassing employees. There are plenty of documentation that shows that he was knowledgeable in what has been going on. And on top of that, right now, which is probably the biggest offense that's going on with him right now, is the fact that the Blizzard employees with nowhere else to go are trying to unionize because they see no other option because the current HR department that is under Bobby Kotick's thumb is basically doing nothing to improve working conditions. So they're trying to unionize, but there's a problem. The law firm that Bobby Kotick hired from the get-go to do an internal investigation is notorious for busting unions. (laughs) 
Right now, what needs to happen at Blizzard, Bobby Kotick needs to go. He needs to be terminated, and he needs to be out of Blizzard, period. That is the only way Activision Blizzard is going to survive. The problem is, I don't think... I would say it's about 50-50 whether the rest of the board will come to this realization or not. Whether Bobby Kotick goes or not is not something I'm willing to make a prediction on. What I am willing to make a prediction on is that Blizzard needs to make an announcement of some kind if they expect to survive. And a new Call of Duty is not going to do it. They right now see their cash cow of World of Warcraft dying. And what I think is going to happen now that World of Warcraft has done some hilariously bad ripping off of Final Fantasy XIV to the point of being just laughable. Like, real talk, if I was in, Co- if I was in Bobby Kotick's position right now, I mean, first off, I would stop being a scumbag. But then second, I, of all the people to actually fire over at Blizzard, that World of Warcraft team needs to go. Just about every single one of them has got to go because they have run that game into the ground. And they have no idea what they're doing. I am, after seeing 9.2 in the trailer they have shown off, I am convinced they have no idea what they're doing. What I think they're going to do is that Activision Blizzard is going to announce they are going to work on a rebooted version of World of Warcraft on a newer engine that has been worked on, have faith in us, come back, trust us, but they're not going to give a release date. So that's my first prediction. They're going to announce a reboot of World of Warcraft. They'll probably continue WoW as it currently is. Maybe announce an expansion. Maybe they won't. Hard to say. But that's the only prediction I'm willing to make about World of Warcraft. That, that entire bundle of volatility and scandal, it's too hot to handle right now. Next prediction, GPU shortages. Oh, GPU shortages. Someone in chat says just an announcement, if, if anything, not, not even any sort of mock-ups or anything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They will announce its existence, but then do nothing else. Basically like what we saw of Diablo 4. After the... <laughs> Kind of like how, remember how uh, one year they announced Diablo Immortal and then the entire internet either yelled at them or laughed at them? And then suddenly the next year it's, hey, we have Diablo 4 in the works? That's my logic. (laughs) That's my logic as to why there's going to be a World of Warcraft Reforged. And I'm just calling it World of Warcraft Reforged just because that's currently their moniker they're doing for these kind of reboots.
Someone in chat does make a good point. They did at least give us a cinematic for Diablo 4. This is true. Watch, they, actually, they, they might give us a cinematic for, for WoW Re Reforged. Maybe. GPU shortages will start, sh will finally start showing signs of being met in Q3 of 2022. Right now, we have seen very, very few signs that the shortage has been lifting. I think as these foundries start coming online towards summer, we'll start seeing GPUs start going back into supply as we approach fall of 2022. That is my prediction. NVIDIA will announce the RTX 4000 series, but it will only be a Quadro style card at the end of 2022. Normally what we see on these years where NVIDIA announced a new architecture, the beginning of the year, they show off the enterprise grade version, the Tesla card or the Quadro card. And then at the end of the year, they start launching the GeForce cards. I think this time we're going to start seeing the enterprise grade cards towards the end of 2022. And then the GeForce cards starting to show up in 2023. That's what I'm expecting. Which then would make the, RT the entire RTX 3000 series an entire paper launch life cycle. Tesla will finally announce that the Cybertruck will undergo a drastic redesign or is just straight up canceled. We were supposed to have the Cybertruck by now, remember? The giant, the giant uh, cold steel rolled out pickup truck that was modeled on an N64. Remember that one? Yeah, I remember. I expect Tesla is going to finally say something about it. Either saying that the design won't work or that it's just being canceled completely for this, that, or the other reason. Because the thing is right now, the whole point of the Cybertruck was to get something radically different out there. Well... There's no, there's no word. There's still major safety issues when it comes to the Cybertruck. There's still parts about the Cybertruck that are illegal. They haven't been, inter they haven't been talked about. There hasn't been a word of the Cybertruck since Elon Musk failed to prove his glass was bulletproof. <laughs> Let's keep that in mind too. Frickin' bulletproof glass. Oh, well, I mean... Yeah. 
So they're going to finally say something and it's not going to be they're out now. By the way, a little bit of an update on the uh on the on the electric pickup truck race. Uh I would say it's safe to say Rivian is officially the first electric pickup truck that you can actually buy. And I know there was a bit of, well, I don't think Rivian's available yet. I don't think the Lightning's out yet. Uh, you can both put in pre-orders for them. I don't know when they're going to hit. I've seen two Rivians out in the wild. The Rivian pickup truck is officially the first electric pickup truck to market. I'd say it's fairly safe to say now. If I can find them out here in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and Rivian's based in where are they based in? I know they're not based in the Midwest. I want to say I want to say Colorado. Regardless, yeah, it's not like I'm in Rivian's backyard, and that's why I saw one. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Important. And I know this is going to sound cheap. Colorado is like a stone. Someone in chat says Colorado is like a stone's throw away from you. Um, it's, it's a good. Uh, what? Seven, eight hour drive ish. Like it's a few states away. We have in chat here, they have location in Illinois, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe they aren't. Maybe I actually did see some test vehicles at night. Like the main reason I noticed them was just because that light bar. That light bar stands out like a sore thumb. Someone else in chat is wondering when Casa Bonita is going to reopen. Maybe that's why we're going to see the end of South Park so that they can focus on reopening Casa Bonita. All right, back to the predictions. I know these are going to be recycled, but I have a hard time thinking I'm going to be wrong about this. The next iPhone will have no charging port and wireless charging only. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I may have gotten this wrong last year. But more and more is lining up for Apple to go in this direction, especially now that the uh, law that is trying to be passed in the EU puts in an exception for requiring USB-C to say if it has wireless charging, then you can be exempt. I'm telling you, that's going to be the thing. There's going to be no charging port. They're going to market it as innovative. You know, we'll include the, the, the an El Cheapo wireless puck charger c- cable. And, you know, that will be that. It'll just be wireless only. The iPhone Pro, I think, again, I know this is a recycled one, but they're either going to have USB-C, USB 4, or Thunderbolt. So USB-C is USB 3 speeds. USB 4 
is what Apple has been calling Thunderbolt, which is also USB-C, but has much, 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 much higher bandwidth. Again, very similar prediction what I made last year, but especially with the camera and trying to say that, you know, we're going to let you take these massive video files and move them around. Adding Thunderbolt or USB-C makes so much sense. I have a very, very hard time seeing the iPhone Pro still sticking with Lightning. And maybe I am just underestimating how much Apple really wants that royalty money for Lightning. But considering the fact they've killed on so many other products and are clearly leaning more and more away from it, it's gotta happen. Everything else Apple has has been moving to USB-C, has been moving to USB-4, has been moving to Thunderbolt. I just don't see how Apple doesn't have the iPhone Pro switch to USB-C. And I'd say both iPhones, if it weren't for the fact that the standard iPhone switching to only MagSafe, which is their wireless charging format, lets them still keep their little walled garden ecosystem thing while still complying with international law. It just makes sense. The next iPhone Pro will use an Apple M1 chip. In fact, I'm actually going to change it. I'm going to make it more broad. An Apple M series chip. Rather than say an M1. Because they might just call it like the M2 mini or something like that. So for those who are unaware, Apple has been using in their mobile devices something called the A-chips. Like an A13, and then they throw some stupid word buzzword at the end of it, like a bionic. But their Macs now are using their own Apple Silicon, and they're calling that the M series chips. I think the iPhone Pro is going to get an M series chip. They already did it with the iPad Pro. I have a hard time seeing how they have the iPad Pro get an M-series chip in it that it can't utilize, and the iPhone Pro not getting that as well. I also think we're going to see the Mac Pro next year, and it's going to be very, very, very Mac Mini-like. Seeing how much they're integrating onto the Apple M-series chip, You've got your RAM built on the CPU. You got your GPU built on the CPU. You have your storage built on the CPU. When you got all that built directly onto the CPU and you've already disabled external GPUs. In the new Mac world, everything is integrated on the chip. So why would you have a modular cheese grater? That's how they're going to go ahead and justify it. They're just going to make something that looks very much like a Mac mini. They'll have lots of IO for, you know, with, you know, 10 gigabit ethernet with a Thunderbolt, a bunch of Thunderbolt on there. But its whole thing is just be like, it's all there. You don't need the big tower anymore. 
You don't need anything big like that. Everything's built into the chip. Anything that you'd want, like an ex- like an internal uh, hard drive or anything like that, that's obsolete in the world of everything being in the chip. It's going to be the direction Apple goes, and I think that's what we're going to see the new Mac Pro look like. Electrify America, I think, will go ahead and announce a major deal with one of the nationwide truck stops to start installing electric chargers. One of the biggest problems that electric vehicles have right now is infrastructure. Tesla right now works because there is a fast charging network. You can hop from fast charger to fast charger to fast charger. We already see some of the major truck manufacturers like Freightliner, like Kenworth, like Volvo, try to start pitching electric semi-trucks or electric medium-duty trucks. Those are completely and utterly useless right now. All they are is just a headline because no one, no sane person is going to go ahead and buy an all-electric pickup truck because there's no way to charge the blasted thing. What are you going to do? Go from freaking Florida to, to Washington and then run out of juice once you get outside of Georgia and then have nowhere to charge? Electrify America needs to get out of their little bubble and say, we're just going to go ahead and put up a few chargers at grocery stores and whatever. And if they want to go ahead and make significant change, if these companies want to actually make some actual real push forward to go ahead and actually realistically make electric vehicles possible, They're going to have to go ahead and just say there's already huge truck stop chains. And I think those chains, if they want to try and survive this push to kill diesel fuel in, you know, 20 years when they feasibly think they can. A company like Electrify America, which is currently the only one actually making a peep when it comes to actually creating electric vehicle infrastructure, I would say Electrify America is going to partner up either with TA, with Pilot, with Flying J, with one of the big truck stop franchises across the country to start installing chargers. Not actually do it all in one year. But they're just going to go ahead and, sh- and shake one of their hands to say, we're going to do it sometime within the next 10 years-ish. And then everyone will pat themselves on the back and feel like they actually accomplished something when they really just said, we're going to do something eventually one day, whatever, lol. So I think we're going to get that announcement. We'll see if it actually happens.
<laughs> our trucker friend in chat says bet you loves is the first one to do it you know what yeah i would say it's either loves if i actually had to put a bet on which specific one i'd guess first guess is loves second guess is ta that's my guess And then my last prediction to put out the these 10 sustainable is going to be the buzzword of 2022. And by the end of the year, we are going to be sick of hearing it. We are already seeing it now. We're going to make a sustainable laptop. The packaging is sustainable. Everything is sustainable. It's what green was. And much like other eco-friendly buzzwords, they ended up becoming nothing. They ended up becoming literally useless. Because anything that was considered green ended up becoming well, not very green at all. I'm willing to bet we're going to see the same thing when it comes to sustainable. So there's my predictions. We're going to take our, actually our last break here. Good thing I don't actually, don't actually need to take three breaks. When we come back, I want to talk for a bit about CES and crypto. We got some very interesting little tales of the crypto that have been coming out. You don't want to miss this. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. It, I, I know it's the holiday spirit and whatnot, and we want to try and keep a positive attitude, but uh, I need to depress you for a minute. Radio Shack is back. And some of you might have just perked up and thinking, whoa, I can actually get back into my soldering hobby. Oh, man, all the cool stuff I could do. Uh, hold on here for a moment. Radio Shack is not coming back in the way you want it to. Radio Shack is coming back for one reason and one reason only. To sell you cryptocurrency. Because naturally, nothing is sacred anymore. And if you thought things were sacred, that Radio Shack, the brand, could be left to rest in peace after it had its time in the sun, well, bad news. The concept is to try and give those of an older generation an easy in into getting into cryptocurrency. 
It makes sense, right? But here's the problem. There already is a go-to source for boomer investors to get into crypto. And whether those of us realize or not, they really have become the band-aid or the Kleenex of crypto. It's a company called Coinbase. And they've basically become the boomer's way of investing in crypto. Now, you could argue, well, I mean, the the newer generation, maybe they'd get into it. But the thing is that, you know what? Most of the people who would be tech-savvy enough to trust the name Radio Shack they would either A be a generation to go ahead and not trust crypto at all as crypto is being used more and more for scams but also B they already went ahead and dipped into Coinbase as being the go-to source for cryptocurrency. And of course, the reason they're going for the older generation is because, well, the younger generation, buying into the whole theme I mentioned earlier about sustainable being a buzzword, the the younger generations do not view cryptocurrency as being sustainable. And they are right. The amount of processing power and calculations needed for cryptocurrency to exist is not insignificant. And then on top of that, because it's decentralized, a lot of the resources of the blockchain are being used to make sure that other and other other uh, workers of the blockchain are not trying to cheat the blockchain. So there's a lot of additional duplicates computations being done per computation the blockchain is insanely insufficient and no matter how much various cryptocurrencies want to try and say they're sustainable or they're green by their very nature they are not so of course if you're going to go ahead and try to get a whole bunch of people to join in on relaunching Radio Shack as a crypto wallet, of course you'd target the older generation. Because the older generation doesn't know anything other than huge numbers that people say they could get, even though they don't. And I've said this time and time again, you want to know why your million dollar worth of Dogecoin is not worth a million dollars? Because you're not going to be able to find a buyer willing to give you a million dollars for your Dogecoin all at once. You're going to have to piecemeal it out. And once you start selling your Dogecoins in small amounts, you start tanking the value of Dogecoin and your million dollars very quickly turns into 500.
This is why in the crypto world, everyone says, hold your, hold on to your cryptocurrency. Because if you sell it, the value tanks. Well, in the end, this is just going to end up being a bit of sadness coming through as yet another dead brand to match Kodak begins to get into crypto. I'll just tell you this right now. It's not going to be pretty. There's no other way to phrase it. It is not going to be something that's going to be pretty to see at all. Meanwhile, the other nightmare of cryptocurrency, NFTs, there was a massive heist just pulled off. An attacker took over a bot from an official Discord channel. Specifically, this was to the the Fractal Discord channel saying that they, they were going to go ahead and sell limited edition NFTs if they went ahead and clicked the link right now. Well, Fractal was planning on uh, getting NFTs, but uh, not those NFTs. The NFTs, of course, were fake. And they stole roughly $150,000 worth of money from true NFT believers. The Fractal Startup says they are working right now to try and reimburse everyone who had money stolen and apologize for this. So Fractal in the end is going to be out hundreds of thousands of dollars. Let me just get this out of the way. All right. I rip on NFTs a lot. But Here's another thought that came to my mind. Not only for starters, do frauds like this happen a lot. But the best part about NFTs is a realization I came to recently. One of the biggest reasons to get an NFT over any other kind of digital art ownership is because it is stored in the blockchain and is decentralized and you are getting back at the corporations because it's decentralized and thus you are just exchanging money from person to person. There's no company making huge profits off NFTs because all this money is just being exchanged between people. Okay. Okay. 
it's an interesting argument. But, um, tell me this. What is fractal then? What is bored ape then? What are all these NFT platforms that are allowing people to make NFTs of anything then? Are they themselves not also a centralized company profiting off your desire to own nothing? And the best part about these is, as I said, the way NFTs are right now, all you get is a serial number and a link. At any time, the company that has now made out like a bandit off your stupidity can just go under, leave you with nothing because all you have is a dead link and a serial number saying you own a dead link. Which leaves you owning nothing and the centralized company that totally is on the up and up with all your money. And in fact, the only real winner in the end is the person who sold you the NFT in the first place. In fact, to just show you how bad this whole situation with NFTs are, I was scrolling through YouTube shorts one night. I was having a hard time sleeping. I was just doing stupid stuff. One ad that kept showing up in the YouTube shorts segment is someone saying, I used to be just like you. I thought NFTs were all hogwash in the first place and it was all stupid. But then I realized I was just investing wrong. And if you buy my course, I can show you how to invest in NFTs properly. The only proper way to invest in NFTs is to scam people into buying a course on how to invest in NFTs. Let that sink in for a second. Shouldn't this tell you pretty much everything you need to know about NFTs? It is all just a giant pyramid scheme. You are all paying tons of dollars for nothing. And the longer this goes on, the more people are going to be convinced that you are actually getting something when in fact you are getting nothing. 
and i know it feels like i do this rant every single week but every single week there's some equally stupid underlying stupid story about how tons of people are out tons of money because they went ahead and fell for something that was stupid because they believed a concept that from the get-go is stupid And I know I should probably just take the mentality of, oh, well, stupid is as stupid does. You can't fix stupid, stupid. But the problem is that this is now getting into my field. This is now, this is all I hear about now in the tech field. Everything is about NFTs and it's creeping into everything. It wants to get into art. It wants to get into social media. It wants to get into gaming. And that is probably the most offensive part about this all is that it's trying to get into gaming. A segment in which freaking serialized digital goods have no place in. And a market where every single game designer keeps making dumber and dumber decisions. The last thing we need to do is have them invest in NFTs because, you know, your DLC should totally have a freaking serial number that consumes power just to exist. Because that's how you make money. And I swear, these people who are trying to profit off NFTs have no idea how NFTs work. I am convinced Ubisoft has no ideas how NFTs work. I am convinced every other company that is trying to get into NFTs either doesn't know how it works or is a scammer. Because the NFTs themselves originally only sell for like 15 bucks or 20 bucks or 25 bucks. These millions on millions of dollar transactions you hear is people inflating the value of their own NFT by selling it to themselves over and over and over again and then selling it at a massive loss to someone else so they can make out like a bandit after they went ahead and inflated their own value. It is a massive system that is ripe with exploitation and literally every single step along the way is exploited for own personal gain and the only people who end up making out are the people who are illegitimate in this fact in the first place and those who lose are those who just hear wow nfts seem to be the real hotness and in the end they are just tricked they are scammed and i swear if i have to go ahead and do an nft story every single week so i can drill it into everyone's freaking skull that this whole thing is one gigantic scam then guess what We're going to be talking a whole lot about NFTs until people start getting through their thick freaking skulls that the entire NFT marketplace is full of nothing but scams and exploits. Someone in chat points out even Keanu Reeves knows what's up. Keanu Reeves knows a decent amount of why it's stupid, but not to the extent of how it's being exploited. 
Because it's easy to say, well, it's a digital good. It can be infinitely replicated. What's the point of the NFT? And that is the base argument against NFTs. But very, very few are talking about how people are inflating the value of their own, own NFT by buying it to themselves. Or going ahead and just stealing other people's works, making that as an NFT, and then just selling it to make a quick buck. Taking advantage of those who just want to go ahead and scam other people. It is all one gigantic circle jerk of people ripping off other people. And more and more people do need to have the mentality of Keanu Reeves that look at it and just say, this is stupid. Why are you selling me a a digital good that can be infinitely replicated? Everything about the NFT is so much more sinister than most of us are willing to admit. Oh, by the way, speaking of fraud and abuse, uh, El Salvador, um, remember how they went ahead and tried to become the first national, the first nation to consider Bitcoin a legitimate tender? Yeah, they have been buffeted by sanctioned threats from other nations, as well as uh, privacy problems and identity theft, as well as other just direct general theft in regards to crypto wallets, because it turns out a digital currency is still easy to exploit. Whoops. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. I, I'm becoming more and more hopeful that the crypto bubble pops. Even though I actually do have... Mo- I The best part is that, you know what? You know what's even more interesting about me going ahead and ripping on crypto? I have over $100 in crypto. If I was an illegitimate nothing, I would go ahead and just continue to just say crypto is the future and trying to inflate the value of my own wallet. And unlike trying to do insider trading like that in the stock market, it's totally legal with cryptocurrency because it's unregulated. I could go ahead and say, hey, everyone, uh, what, what, what's the current, what's the coin I have the most of? I think I have 40 bucks in, in, in Shiba. I could try and just go ahead and say like, hey, everyone, go ahead and buy Shiba coins just to like inflate the value of my own wallet and have a massive sell off like every other freaking worthless sca- scammer and illegitimate person that goes ahead and preaches about crypto because that's what almost all of them do they're out for personal gain i could go down that route too you want to know why i don't because i don't hate myself i actually have some freaking self-respect no don't invest in crypto it's not investing because you want to know what buying crypto is buying crypto is gambling that is what it basically go that that is what this all goes out to 
investing 100 bucks in cryptocurrency like I did, it's not investing. It's gambling. I have gambled away $100. And I could cash out at any time and probably get... Actually, I think with how little it is in the transaction fees, I think I'd end up it being a giant wash. What is my per- portfolio at right now? My portfolio in massive quotation marks at... Oh, it's at 115 I think I would come out ahead crypto-wise by like five bucks if I cashed out right now. Like I said, though, do not under any circumstances buy crypto. It is gambling. Just straight up. And I think what's going on in El Salvador is kind of just reinforcement that, in fact, cryptocurrency is not stable. It is not anything that could be remotely considered a legitimate currency that could compare to the US dollar or the euro or the yen or pick the name of a currency. Freaking Zenny from Ragnarok Online is probably in the end more stable a currency than most cryptocurrencies. Should we shift gears off cryptocurrency? Let's shift gears off cryptocurrency. Someone in chat says, what about Gil? I want to buy Gil. What, from FF14? I wouldn't. Dude, FF14 does not joke around when it comes to real money trades. By the, by the way, for those, uh, for those wa- watching live right now, a big shout out to the Raiders that just came, came in. We're currently recording a, a big podcast right now. Uh, I'll I'll get out to thanking you guys properly as soon as we finish up. We're in our last segment. CES. What is CES? CES is short for the Consumer Electronics Show. Every year, at the very beginning of the year, the Los the is it Vegas or Los Angeles? I want to say Los Angeles has CES, but I digress. The Consumer Electronics Show happens every year, and every single major electronics manufacturer showcases what they've been working on, and it's a massive, big show of what the future could be. Massive, wacky concepts to Jetson-style housing that can actually be possible, futuristic self-driving cars, quadcopter drones were a big thing there until quadcopter drones became the mainstream here. CES is always a look forward in technology. And all your major outlets are there. Intel, AMD, Google, the, the, the whole nine yards. Last year, of course, CES was kind of nothing because it went all virtual. This year, CES wants to still happen in person. Which, of course would be understandable. We've gone through two variants of the virus TM, both the alpha and the delta variants. And a lot of people are now either vaccinated 
or have natural immunity. But there's a problem. The problem is still the virus, a.k.a. COVID-19, and the new variant, the Omicron variant. At this time, the Omicron variant, at the, I should state this again, at the time of recording, the Omicron variant appears to not be very deadly. But it seems to be completely unaffected by vaccines that we've had currently and it also appears to be unaffected by current natural immunity. Now I'm also going off data that's when was the last time I actually had an up update on this sort of thing? Almost a week now. But of course, this is all early data. It appears to not be very deadly. That can very easily change as our ability to accurately test who had what variant as this new variant becomes more aware. So more and more people are getting concerned with the Omicron variant. You are starting to see more and more events getting canceled. CES, on the other hand, because it is such a massive event and already put down deposits for this, for massive trade show sections, as well as massive hotels, they have too much money in this now to go ahead and cancel. So... They're pushing forward, just saying, you know, make sure you vaccinate, make sure you take care of this, that, the other thing, blah, 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 blah. If you're, you know, immunocompromised, maybe you shouldn't even come. That way, if you do get infected, you can easily fight it off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the, the sort of generic stuff you would pretty much expect someone to say if they pretty much had a gun to their head and said, we have to go ahead and run this anyway. Well. Someone in chat is actually trying to get me to look at information right now. Let me get to that in a second. Because again, we're a tech podcast. I am not a health expert. I'm not going to pretend I'm a health expert. Not that's going to matter in the case of CES. Because you are very, very quickly starting to see major names pull out of CES. Google, General Motors, T-Mobile, and Microsoft, Intel, and Amazon have all pulled out of CES 2022. left I'll tell you what social distancing will be really easy at CES 22 because all that's left is freaking AMD and Samsung 
you wouldn't have even have to worry about staying within six feet staying outside six feet of each other you could stay six miles away from each other how long until those two kick out by the way I think whether CES wants to admit it or not, there's not going to be a physical CES this year. And here's the best part. These are all the people that have just announced leaving now. The juicy cherry on top of all of this is the fact that with it being the holiday season, a lot of tech outlets take time off. In fact, tech news in general is going to be scarce from now, when I'm recording this, the day after Christmas, all the way to January 6th, probably 3rd actually because what a lot of tech outlets do is that they don't have anyone on staff during that one week most of them just take off because enough people end up taking their final vacation days that no one's there and they just end up shutting down or tech outlets just naturally just take the time off because they expect to be very busy for the first week of january by the way, uh, already The Verge has said they are not going to be covering CES on the show floor. I, I know it's The Verge, so it's like, who cares? But honestly, that hurts me. The fact that The Verge won't be there actually does cause me pain. Where am I going to go? for illogical dumb CES awards if The Verge is not even going to be there to tell me what is the most efficient minivan. Whether CES wants to admit it or not, there's not going to be a, a trade show. Whether you think they should or shouldn't is going to be pretty much irrelevant. The other thing I, the other thing I, excuse me, the other thing I'll say, and I kind of noticed this a couple weeks ago when Dell showed off their sustainable laptop. Every year you get a couple of people trying to beat the CES rush by showing off some of their early products. There's been a lot more of that this year. I mean, Dell practically showed off their entire lineup. LG showed off a bunch of their own products too. It would not surprise me at all if we come back here to this podcast next week and CES is just straight up canceled. 
despite the fact that CES insist the in-person events will go on. In fairness, though, their statement where they said that was the day before Microsoft announced they weren't going to be there. What would you say the over-under is on, on CES actually happening in person? Twenty percent does, eighty percent doesn't. I don't know. Personally, if it were me, if it weren't for the fact that I do th- that I don't like I am not in a situation where I could go out to CES. This podcast is my hobby. I have a full time job I must run. But let's pretend for a second this podcast and streaming was my full-time job. Would I go down to CES and risk getting ill and being out of commission? We'll say, well, let's let's pretend just like for a week. We'll say I go out there, maybe I catch COVID-19. I most likely survive because I'm a pretty healthy individual. But do I really want to go out and be out of commission for a week? Honestly, no. Especially with how contagious this particular variant, as far as early reports go, appears to be. If a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? If a tech convention happens and no one is there to report on it, did it ever really happen? The fact that this variant may or may not be as deadly, but is definitely getting around vaccines. It's going to be a big, big deterrent for a lot of these tech outlets to go out there and report. But let's, let's get a little hopeful. Apparently right now there's uh, actually being solid stock of Nintendo Switch OLED models and Xbox Series S's. They appear to be more in stock nowadays without having to go through a weird wonky program. Uh, you know, positives. Nice, wonderful positives. You know, even though console shortages did force Microsoft to use Xbox developer kits for their latest Halo tournament. (laughs) 
So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> Isn't that what you... Honestly, you know what? If it weren't for the fact, for all the reasons why I said I wouldn't, join, uh, wouldn't visit CES, I would want to go ahead and just see the Halo tournament just to see what an Xbox dev kit actually looks like. And actually how close to the actual performance of an Xbox Series X is the dev kit. Like, I think that in itself would actually be pretty cool. We should actually do this more often. Actually having the dev kits being used for tournaments. Could be super, super neat. But with no good segue, I bring you the last bird. The last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Scientists have taught a Petri dish of brain cells to play Pong faster than an AI. What on earth did I just read? So apparently a synthetic brain that is being held in a Petri dish was in fact taught how to play Pong and it was able to play Pong better than a mechanical AI or an electronic AI. I just... I don't know how, I don't know how yet, but I just, I cannot shake the feeling that this is the very first step of our, um, of our world about to be taken over by some form of cyborg. It it just feels like something straight up out of Terminator. Someone in chat says our first step towards biomechanics. It could very well be. It, it's, it's a very, very bizarre story, and it's just one that no matter how many times I read it, I just stare at it and go, it, 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 is, is, is this the future we now live in? Future's weird. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. I do encourage you to check out the daily podcast, the early burb briefing, short little bite-sized versions of the stories you've heard today. Every single day at 2 a.m. they air, which means you can listen to them at any time right when you wake up and check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Take care, and hopefully we'll, we'll have you listening next year.
the real question though we need to ask about this brain in a petri dish playing games is first off who's funding this because of its facebook a hundred percent guaranteed it is going to be used to conquer mankind and advance the lizard people of which we all know mark zuckerberg is part of but if it's being funded by amazon then we're safe because they're just going to go ahead and use these petri dish brains to go ahead and play new world so at least then someone is playing new world